Today I want to talk about Christmas, the miracle night. Christmas, the miracle night. And before I do, I want to give a shout out to Bob Shalato. Uh, Bob Shalato's home and uh, give him a good hand. And Bob, if you're watching, we just want to wish you the best Christmas you've ever had. And we know uh, he's in a great fight right now. And uh, he's been fighting for a number of years. I've never seen a man who wanted to live as much as Bob Gelato. He's been a great friend of this church over the many, many years. And he's in a battle right now. And so, uh, Bob and Bev, we just want you to know that we're thinking about you, praying for you, and we love you in the Lord. Amen. As our nation, with its government, the media, the educational system, our culture, the elite corporations, seems like they force America publicly to exclude God from the scenario. Uh, the spirit of Christmas religiously, uh, almost they're saying to us, there's no room for that sort of person. Today, it's driven by a huge engine of advertising, to sell the products, enriching their corporations. No longer does Christmas begin just after Thanksgiving, but months prior to Thanksgiving. Uh, I heard a uh, black anchor on TV the other day. I, I thought it was wonderful. He said, don't talk to me about Christmas until after Thanksgiving. And um, he was adamant about it. And I was so grateful that he was actually saying that. For many people, they're trying their best to relive a past Christmas of yesteryear. Uh, that's tough because society will never, ever be like that again. We know that. Uh, many of us have been privileged. We've experienced a safe, slower, God bless America that honored the Christmas story, the Christmas Christ. It was simplicity without all the attacks. And uh, you just don't see that today. But today, I just want us to think briefly about Christ's birth and what really took place there. First of all, it was a night of fulfillment, a night of fulfillment. It was prophesied that Jesus would come through a special woman's seed, and he did. And of course, that was Mary, born of a woman. And then it was prophesied Jesus would come through Abraham. That was fulfilled. That guaranteed the land of Israel. And then it was prophesied that Jesus would come through David. And that was fulfilled, guaranteeing the throne rights. Then it was prophesied that Jesus would come through Bethlehem. And that was fulfilled. I've been to Bethlehem. They have in this room uh, a metal star with a flame in the middle of it. They said, that's the place Jesus was born. Well, I don't believe that. Uh, I believe he was born in a stable cave, uh, and, uh, but, uh, he, but it was fulfilled. He was born in Bethlehem. Jesus would come through a virgin birth, it was prophesied, and that was fulfilled. It was prophesied Jesus would come through the tribe of Judah, and that was fulfilled. He's the line of the tribe of Judah, amen. And all this does, it points to he's the one. He's the one. Uh, I don't know if any of you people like Matrix. Uh, that was one of my favorite shows. 
and I like Matrix, but when they realized toward the end of the movie that Neil indeed was the one, uh, Marcus said, he's the one. <laughs> well, when Christ came, he's the real one. Amen? And he came. And the interesting thing is these fulfillments are beyond human understanding, beyond human possibilities, making them impossible to man's thinking that all of these prophecies about Christ could be fulfilled. But they were fulfilled, weren't they? You know, somebody uh, at a university, they did a study. They took 48 prophecies about Christ. And for all of them, 48 prophecies to be fulfilled, it would be like one in 10 with 157 zeros behind it. Now, you need to understand, they say, in all probability, there's no chance of something happening when it's one in 10 with 50 zeros. For these 48 prophecies to happen, it was 157 zeros, and they all took place. To give you maybe just a little understanding of, of those odds, it would be like an ant traveling one inch every 15 billion years. If he could carry one atom at a time, how many... How many atoms could he move in one in 10 with 157 zeros of years? And the answer is this here. He could move all the atoms in 600 trillion, 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 trillion universes the size of our universe a distance of 30 billion light years. <laughs> Think that through. Impossible by chance. Yet all 48 prophecies about Christ were all fulfilled. It was not by accident, but by an almighty, sovereign God. Now, they took 48 prophecies. Understand there are 300 prophecies just concerning the birth of Jesus Christ, and every one of them were fulfilled to the T. Luke 18, 27. Luke 18, 27. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Amen? And God made it possible. Let me just mention about the birth of Christ. I have some questions here for myself. The question is, who came? The person who came was God, the eternal Son of God. He came in a point in time to become the child, the man Jesus. Question, how was this done? It was not done by the natural process like us where a man and a woman would come together and have a baby. Also, it was not by special creation like Adam, who was created from the dust, but it was by the miraculous virgin birth. Mary never knew man when she had Christ, 
Thus, it was supernatural. Isaiah 7, 14 says this here. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel or God with us. Jeremiah 31, 22, how long will thou go about, O thou backsliding, backsliding daughter? Now get this. For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall compass a man or have a man. That wasn't unusual, but that is when the woman doesn't know a man. Amen? Supernaturally, God prepared a body of flesh outside of Mary that was sinless, without blemish, without Adam's sin gene to pass on to Christ. God put all this into a seed, into male sperm, placing it supernaturally into Mary's ovum, egg, or Mary's womb, impregnating her. That seed grew and developed. At conception, it connected a sinless body, a sinless human nature, into union with God divineness. Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man. And by the way, when he came, he didn't empty himself of his godness. He's always been God and always will be God. Amen. He kept his divine nature, his godness. Colossians 2.9 says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, as the Christ man, the God man, Christ voluntarily, willingly placed himself under his Father's will, under his Father's plan and purpose, now get this, to win back that had been soiled, taken by Satan, win back the heavens and the earth, and a remnant of people, a remnant of Israel, and a remnant of humanity, the body of Christ. The next question is, how did Jesus, the God-man, operate? Well, if you understand this, it helps you understand some scripture. As man, he had a beginning. Mary, in a, stave ca in a cave stable, <laughs> And uh, he had a beginning there as man, but as God, he's always existed. He has no beginning and no ending. As man, he grew in wisdom. As God, he knows everything. As man, he had a spirit and body. As God, he's only spirit. As man, he's finite and limited. But as God, he's infinite and all-powerful. As man, he's dependent. But as God, he's self-sufficient. So now, when I read a certain scripture, I can understand it, that Jesus the man would say, the Father is greater than I. But as God the Son, he would say, I 
and my Father are one. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen? The God-man. The next question is this here. Why was this so important for him to be the God-man? It states in 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You know as well as I do that God cannot die. He's eternal, everlasting. But God needed a body that was sinless so that it could die on an old rugged cross for the sins of mankind. Amen? Thank God he died for our sins. He was buried, and three days later, what did he do? He arose from the grave. He's alive. Now, the reason that's so important, he's the God-man. As God, he can take the hand of the Father. As man, he can take the hand of a believing sinner who believes in the gospel and reconcile those two together so that they are not alienated any longer but have peace with one another. Amen? It was vital that he was the God-man. And I always add this when I talk about the virgin birth and so on. Was it possible as a human for Jesus Christ to sin. And a lot of people in Christianity say, yes, he was susceptible to sin. And we say, no, he was not. He never could. Understand this. For one to sin, to give in to Satan's enticement, sin must attach to something in the individual that causes him to yield to sin. There has to be something in the person, James 1.14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own, there it is, it's in him, of his own lust and enticed. But with Jesus Christ, there was no sin in him to cause him, to attach to him and cause him to sin whatsoever. Jesus Christ could not sin. John, 1 John 3, 5, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him, in him, what? Is no sin. John 14, 30, hereafter I will not talk much with you for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me because I don't have any sin in me. Amen? James 1.13 says this, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Amen? It's impossible. There's nothing to attach to God to draw from him to sin because he's sinless. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for he hath made Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The only time Christ had sin to his account is when he hung on the cross. And it still wasn't his sin, it was our sin. Amen? Now, some people say, well, wait a minute. What about Hebrews 4.15? For we have not a high priest, speaking of Christ, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted 
like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ was tempted in all points as we are in the feeling of our infirmity. But here, he's not referring to being tempted with sin. Jesus Christ had the same difficulties, the same frailties of human nature. Jesus experienced pain, tiredness, hungry, hurt, rejection, sleep, thirst, trials, hardships. Jesus Christ experienced the infirmities of humanness because he was the God man. Amen? By the way, Jesus was tempted with sin by the devil in Matthew chapter 4. But sin had no chance of alluring Jesus Christ to sin. And the reason Christ was tempted to sin in Matthew 4 was not to show that he could withstand it and not sin, not to show that he could fail, but he showed that he could not sin. That was the point of the temptation. Amen? So, it was a night of God when he revealed himself to earth in human form. Matthew 1.23 says this here. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. John 1.1 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, speaking of Christ. Verse 14, and the Word, Christ, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. God became flesh, was born in this world. Philippians chapter 2 says this in verse 5, Philippians 2, 5. I didn't give that to you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Through seven, guys, if you would. But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now think about it. We think about the birth of Christ. Now think, the immortal became partly mortal, the God-man. The creator became part of his creation. Omnipotence in a seed living in Mary's womb. The almighty in a baby infant. De deity wrapped in swaddling clothes the king of the universe, born in a stable cave. The sufficient one, now dependent upon parents. What a condescending, what a humiliation that God went through in order to be our savior. All I can say is praise God, praise God, praise God. That first Christmas And people hearing about the birth of Christ, they all came to a conclusion. 
when they heard about Christ would be born or was born. Mary said in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, and Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. But Mary had called him Lord. The angel said in Luke chapter 2, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ, who? The Lord. Elizabeth, when she heard about Luke 1.43, says this, And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, this is John the Baptist, the babe in Elizabeth's womb. Life, by the way. For lo, as soon as the voice of, my, of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe, John the Baptist, leaped in my womb for joy. When he came to Mary, the angels, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, John the Baptist, they all said, Lord. Amen? Even Paul doesn't let up on that. Paul said this in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Romans chapter 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be dead. Thou shalt be what? Saved, not dead. Some of you weren't listening. I'm about done here. Paul says this in Romans 14, 9. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Paul said this after Christ coming to earth and so on. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Christ him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. He has a name that's above every name. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would say to you this Christmas season that we don't get so wrapped up that we forget that it was the Lord God, the eternal God who came down to this world and was born of a virgin. And mankind had the privilege of beholding his glory. I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to the day that I will personally see him. I don't know, I hope that you do. But that's the way they responded when they heard about the news about Christ, he's Lord. How are we responding to me? Today, if you're not saved, Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again. If you put your faith in him and that gospel, he'll save you when you believe it. And as a Christian and as a pastor, let me just say to you, listen, there's nothing greater than being a child of God. Nothing greater than that. 
And as a child of God comes responsibility. And our responsibility is to hold up the name of Jesus Christ high and lifted up. Amen. And I hope that we do that for this Christmas. I know that as an individual person, uh, we used to celebrate Christmas when I was not a Christian. I didn't get saved till I was 24. And, uh, and not as a Christian, uh, the main focus always was the gifts, what you're getting for Christmas, getting the kids and your family and so on and everything. That, that was the focus. But they say the most depressing day of the year is the day after Christmas. And isn't that so true? You look at all the indebtedness that you got. <laughs> yeah. But they call it the holiday blues. And I'm just saying to you that there has to be more to it. And when I got saved, Jesus Christ changed my heart, changed my life. And as a result of that, my focus began to be, yes, I love Christmas, I enjoy Christmas, we do all of that, but the main focus in my heart is that there was a day when this Christ child lived as a man, died on a cross, was rose, ascended on high, and one day he's going to call us home, we who have been saved. And that gives me so much joy and security in these turbulent times that we're going through right now, I know that this God is coming again and he's coming for us. Father, we love you. I want to thank you for your healing touch of my family. But God, I just want to thank you for loving us so much that you were willing to leave heaven's glory and come down to this, this sinful earth because of your love for us. You didn't want us to die and go to hell. You came to give us a way that we could have everlasting life and live with you eternally. And you've done that through your son. So this Christmas season, as we think about not just the birth of Christ, but his life and his finished work, may we be the grateful ones for who he is. And I just pray that this day we lifted up his name in a special way, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let me just remind you, Christmas Eve, uh, this Friday night, then one service uh, next uh, Saturday. That's why I said Saturday. <laughs> this Saturday, forgive me, this Saturday, Christmas Eve, and then Sunday morning we have church. It's Christmas. A lot of churches are canceling. We're not canceling. You come, we'll be here. If there's just 10 of us, I'm going to preach to all 10 of you. And so we look forward to seeing you. We love you. Have a great week. We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.